Some had uh, said that they had missed the third part of our series on the Genesis flood, and could I show some of those slides again? I showed more slides in part three than I had on any of the others, because I showed a whole lot of slides showing the kind of the dimensions or the enormity of the ark inside. And so this will really play in with what we're going to be looking at this evening in part five. So I'm going to go through uh, a number of those slides just quickly to let everyone see just how huge the inside of the ark is. And it's difficult if you have not been there to really appreciate, again, the enormity of that vessel. This, which is built in Kentucky, standing there, anybody can tour it. Uh, of course, for a price, they're going to charge you. But uh, it's, it's just, it's built to scale, literally, to the same dimensions that are laid out in, in Genesis chapter 6. And so, again, this whole study is meant to be a faith-building and strengthening uh, study. We, we looked in that particular section of our study uh, about how Mankind had become entangled in sin. God gave the instructions, the specific design as to how to build the ark. And it was on a ratio of, of um, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. And it was found as people began to learn and study more how to build large seagoing vessels, it was found to be basically the perfect ratio 300 to 50, uh, 300 to 50 to 30. And uh, so again, the ark was not designed to go anywhere. It was designed to simply rise to the surface of the waters and protect the lives, physical lives of those who were within the ark, including the animals that were to be there. And so Peter made the comparison between the salvation by water in the ark with our salvation through Jesus Christ as we're baptized into him, buried in the waters of baptism, and that's preserving or giving us spiritual, eternal life. So again, we've looked at these particular features, but that's just, and, and that's not a blow-up shot. That is really basically the way the ark looks from a frontal view. And then when you start going through the inside, and I, it, it's really difficult to do justice to the size of the ark from the inside, but I tried to take a number of pictures that gave you an idea, and this is one looking down the center of, of, of some massive beams, and you'd have to have massive beams at that time. We would build ships today with steel girders and all of that. Of course, that was not available then. So you're talking about wooden beams that were massive. And this looks down, you know, the center of some of those and kind of looking up gives you some degree of an idea of just how enormous the ark was. And here are some other features too. And they have it designed so that you can walk up ramps and down ramps to get to the various decks. Remember, there were three decks on the ark. And so there was lots of room. You see, again, some of the massive beams there. Again, looking down another center uh, kind of view down there. And they'd have to use probably some ladders or else built-in stairways. And so we're talking about how many animals, and we're going to be talking about that, but kinds of animals today. 
1,398 animal kinds, about 6,744 animals. And they, in, 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 in calculating those figures, the people who built this replica of the ark, they tried to take the worst case scenario. So they tried to say, okay, what is the, the largest number that we could poss possibly understand based on God's instructions to Noah to take seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal? And so they calculated. Again, we, we, we talk about species a lot of times, but we're talking about kinds. And what something I've tried to emphasize is you don't have to have every breed of dog to have dogs represented. You just have to have two dogs, a male and a female. Or, 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 you know, and this, in, as clean animals, it would be seven dogs. And the reason for the seven, the best in my mind that I can come and kind of let, you know, ground my feet on is when the flood was over and Noah, the ark landed on dry land, Mount Ararat, as Noah and his family came out, he offered sacrifices to God of the clean animals. And so that number seven would indicate, I, I think a reasonable understanding would be, okay, that was th that seventh one or one among the seven. You'd have three pairs, three males and females, and then you have... Uh, one extra, and that probably was the one that Noah offered in sacrifice and worship to God. Now, the unclean animals, they would not offer any of those. Again, that would not be, they would not be worthy of offering sacrifice to God. And so about 6,744 animals would have probably somewhere around that number have needed to be, have been in the ark. Once again, Noah did not have to bring or God did not have to send in full-grown animals of every different kind could have been young and you know just growing up and give me more room in the ark and more you know more room for them <clears throat> I'm not going to go through all of that this evening those different things but here are some features that they laid out in reconstructing the ark to give us an idea of how much storage there would be, also area for, uh, for uh, cages and so on. Now, remember that a whole lot of the different kinds of animals that are alive are small critters. You've got rabbits and you've got squirrels and you've got chipmunks and you've got all kinds of animals, a whole lot of them, the different kinds are small or relatively small. And so there's lots of room in that particular structure for all kinds of storage and all kinds of, of um, uh, cages for a, a whole lot of features, you know, storing food, storing water, storing grain, in some cases, perhaps even storing some, some plants that could grow. And also then, <clears throat> you know, places where you can stack, <clears throat> stack cages on top of one another and all right aligned with one another. So this is, you know, kind of representative of seeing what kind of space there is there. And as we noted, there's probably some grain and so on. There's plenty of room, plenty of room. Here's just a picture of a cage there. Here is living quarters for a couple. And there would have been, uh, let's see, 
three sons, Noah and his wife, so there would have been four couples. And so you had room for some pretty commodious uh, uh, living areas for each of the couples. And you even have room here for them to lay out a place of worship uh, when they were ready to do that. Then you had, you know, kitchen areas and, and, and so on growing food on the ark. Some food could have been grown. There was room for that. There was room for storage of food, kind of a kitchen area. And uh, also, you know, they could grow some of the green plants while they were still uh, on the ark, probably. Uh, And one thing I brought out, some people might say, well, what about all the water? All those animals, they got to have lots of water on an ongoing basis. And the humans who are there too, Remember, it's raining outside. They could gather water. They could, the ark could have been designed to funnel water into storage units such as cisterns and so on. But there was plenty of room for everything to take place. And even here's, you know, the, an idea of an oven for cooking for Noah's family. So all of that, all of that fit. <clears throat> so if you could bring up, uh, Damon, if you could bring up part five now, we're going to get into that for this evening. And so in this particular section, again, this, this study is designed to be a faith-building faith study to help us understand that we're, we're not to read the account of the flood as kind of, a, you know, a good story, a neat-sounding story, but not realistic. Absolutely realistic. Everything fit in the ark. There was room for everything. And all, the design of the ark, again, hundreds of years later, thousands really of years later, when we finally figured out better and better ways to build massive ships, uh, we found that the dimensions that God gave, the ratio of 300 to 50 to, to 30, almost the, you know, virtually the exact perfect design for such a vessel. Once again, the flood, uh, the ark, had no motors, of course, there were no motors available then, but there, were, there was no sail, there was no rudder, there was no uh, oars, no place for people to, to row. There were only eight people on the ark. It was simply intended to rise to the surface of the water and float thereon. And as the waves would go one direction or another, it would float in that direction, but it would be safe because water covered the entire face of the earth all over all of the mountains and everything. So it's reasonable for us to believe in what we read in the scriptures about the account of Noah. Uh, We need to keep in our mind all the ways the reason for the flood, and that was because mankind as a whole, and that's what's so uh, mind-boggling to us, Everybody in the world had become evil continually. That's what Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says. And then it repeats that over and over again, basically through the next several verses. And God, it says, you know, God was sorry that he had made man. And so he decided to cleanse the earth of mankind and start over with the one righteous family that he saw upon the face of the earth. That was Noah and his family. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the ark needed to house the ancestors of fewer than 34,000 land-dependent species. A whole lot of species of animals have gone extinct. 
and probably our calculations based a lot of that's based upon uh, suppositions and theories and so on of how species go extinct but a whole lot of species have gone extinct and that continues to be the case throughout the ages now which animals were brought into the ark and what is an animal kind and how many kinds were on the ark how many species and so on well how many animals were on the ark we already looked at that number and uh, you know we're, we're talking about a realistic number that could easily fit upon the ark god sent two of every unclean kind and seven of every clean kind but even if you calculated that to say because of the hebrew wording and if i remember correctly shabach shabach if you said okay really 14 you know pairs of clean animals it still all fits but i think probably the more reasonable understanding is seven of the clean animals three pairs and then one extra that Noah would use for sacrifice, worshiping God once the flood, the flood was over and they were safe. In Genesis chapter six, verses 19 and 20, and of every living thing of all flesh, God told Noah, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds after their kind. So again, you don't have to have every single species of bird but you have birds who can, who can breed with one another. Same thing with dogs, same thing with cattle. You don't, need, you don't need Herefords and Black Angus and all the other different varieties of cattle. You need cows, that's all. And we could say the same thing about <clears throat> a whole lot of different kinds of, of animals that walk upon the face of the earth. And so of the birds and after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind come to you to keep them alive. Does anybody wish God would have left off the mosquitoes? <laughs> um, you know, and you wonder about some of that. Some of that might have been somewhat residual eggs can float and all. Anyway, anyway you know, they're, they're there, but everything that creeps upon the earth. And then when you look a little bit further, you see God giving further instructions just a few verses after this in chapter seven, verses two and three, you shall take with you seven of each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive in the face of the earth. So a greater number of clean animals were to be preserved in the ark than unclean. But of course, once the flood was over and the animals were released, they went back, all of them would begin reproducing and replenishing their number upon the earth. Now, what about the kinds? Again, you don't have to have full-grown beasts of every kind. You didn't have to have a full-grown, you know, seven full-grown elephants. You didn't have to have seven full-grown cows. But here Elaine is, is before just a, couple of the, uh, just a couple of the cages here. And I've, I put a bunch of these together just to let us see. Most animals really, when we think about it, on the face of the earth are not all that large. Dogs aren't very large. You look at cattle, well, okay, there you say, well, that's pretty big, 
pretty big beast, not, not all that large as far as space required. Same thing if you looked at deer and elk and, and so on. But again, the different kinds, you don't have to have every variety. You just have to have animals that can breed with one another within their kind. And then the variations and differentiations, that'll kind of take place through, through nature and so on. So, you know, the deer kind, well, you can have young deer or you could even have full-grown deer. And um, I can't read the, the second one there on the one she's standing in front of. Is that, okay, I can't read that one. As, as careful as I tried to be with taking these pictures, you know, you're still trying to get a bigger view and things get a little bit blurry sometimes. Pardon me? Okay, the sloth kind, okay. Sloths aren't very big. And then you look at some of the others and, and different ones here, the alligator kind and uh, so on. All of these come together and you start to see, okay, yeah, they, there's, there's room there. And, and again, you don't have to have room for great big full-grown animals in every case, but you know, they don't have to be adults. They can be somewhere in their more immature stages of growing into adult full-grown animals. You see in the, on the right side there, you see a, a, a giraffe or maybe a couple of giraffes in that cage. But they're not the giraffes that we go to the zoo to look at that stand maybe 12 or 14 feet tall where you didn't have to have the full-grown giraffes. And then the cattle kind, again, you don't have to have even full-grown cows. You can have calves, and they fit the bill there. And so it goes on and on. Two of most unclean, seven of clean animals really would not take up that much space, and especially when you consider that a huge percentage, in fact, probably the vast, vast majority of the different kinds of animals that are alive in the face of the earth are rather small, rather small. So you really don't have to have as much space as a lot of people would, would, might think you do. Now, were the largest animals on the ark? Well, sure they were. Sure they were. And so you, you see artists' conceptions sometimes, and maybe even uh, kind of in cartoon characterizations for children's Bible class of, you know, full-grown giraffes and big elephants and kind of heads sticking out of windows and all of that. That's fanciful, okay. Yeah, that's not the way that it was. And so <clears throat> what we really see is God, of course, is all wise. He knows how to do what needs to be done. And so the smaller you know, less mature animals within a kind take up less space, they eat less, they need, they, they make less waste. And now when you look at how many days at Noah and his family were in the ark, uh, they weren't just sitting around, you know, talking about, I wish the waves would slow down here. Uh, how many days has it been? They were busy. They were busy every day and all day. You, they, the animals had to be fed, they had to be watered, cages probably had to be cleaned, and think about all the waste that those animals produced on a regular basis. Well, what did they do with all of that? How about dumping it overboard? <laughs> okay, so everything could be taken care of. And, and so, you know, again, 
it's all reasonable to understand. The details are there. All right, here, here's what I wanted us to begin to look at this evening, and we're just going to get into this, and then we'll, we'll get into it more deeply next time. But what about, what about the uh, dinosaurs? Were there dinosaurs on the ark? And if so, how could they fit on the ark? Well, let me give you the answer. Were dinosaurs on the ark? Yes, dinosaurs were on the ark. Dinosaurs, it's, the existence of dinosaurs is not what the evolutionists would tell us. They tell us that the earth is billions of years old and dinosaurs were like 30 million years ago and then they became extinct because they separate their existence from the existence of mankind. And their understanding is everything evolved over eons of time, long periods, things change and all that. And and I've, I've said this, I've written this for many years. That is scientifically absurd when you think about the evolutionary theories and principles. Scientifically absurd. Makes no sense from a scientific perspective. But you have people who, are so, who have so bought into it, they're absolutely committed to believing that everything happened through evolution. That Life came from inanimate matter, non-life. We can't, how do you do that? We, can't, we haven't been able to figure it out. And people have tried through experiments on, an, on a repeated basis. You can't make something that is not alive, inanimate matter, like maybe a rock or, or some kind of substance, suddenly spring to life. But you see, they have to figure something to get the whole process started. Well, I know how the whole process got started. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 takes care of that for us. On each day, God created what he created. And when it came to life, he created life. And we're talking about when we look at the genealogies in the book of Genesis, we're talking about not millions and billions of years, but we're talking about thousands of years. Now, there may be some holes in the, geolog in the genealogical accounts, but we're not, those holes are not you know, such that, that they explain millions of years, maybe, maybe a few thousand, but we're talking about a relatively short period of time that the earth has existed with life upon it. And so when somebody says, well, well what about when they, when they carbon date something and it comes up to be three billion years? And one thing, carbon dating is only reliable up to about 28,000 years. When they go beyond that, it's stretching things and it's not really reliable. Are there other methods of dating? Yes, there are. And some of those show much less period of time than others. But here's something we have to consider. When God created the earth, it was brand new. But how old was it in appearance? It already had age and appearance. And so, you know, the whole thing falls apart. We'll talk about that more later in another section. But dinosaurs, from our, from our fossil records, the average dinosaur, the average dinosaur was only about the size of a large cow. And a lot of those were very small. Now, did you have some 
that were huge, yes, but again, they did not have to be in their hugeness <laughs> on the ark. You could have had small ones and, and that would have fit. And I've, I've laid out, you know, different slides of different uh, dinosaurs in here, you know, and, and, and just showed them two cages side by side, rather small, just as with the other animals, were, most were of normal size and they weren't those big giant dinosaurs that we look at and say, wow, look at that, how big those were. Uh, we see them and, and again, many would have been quite small, quite small, similar to some of our small animals that we're used to seeing in the, in the world today. Uh, you know, how about a, a woodchuck, you know, and, and you know, something, or a chicken, you know, and, 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 or a turkey. See, so most dinosaurs were probably reptiles also and would therefore have fallen into the unclean classification, requiring only two of them on board. So two of them. And when you look at all of those, and there's everybody's favorite, right? The T-Rex. But you see how small he is there? Just a young T-Rex. Doesn't have to be the, the giant thing that we're used to seeing in movies and, and films and so on. Now, this is an interesting slide, an interesting characterization. Could mankind have actually tamed the dinosaurs? That's probably a thought that has not come to most people's mind. Taming dinosaurs? Well, here you see a dinosaur sticking his head out there, and you've got three, three or four men out in an arena, and they're basically, you know, working with that dinosaur and keeping him. You might think about like taming a tiger or a wild lion. We've seen those in circus arenas, haven't we? And you see kind of that characterization here, characterization here with these four guys, you know, holding down that dinosaur, holding him at bay, teaching him, training him, conditioning him, and so on. Could mankind have actually tamed dinosaurs? Do we tame elephants to stand on a small stump on one leg? That's amazing, isn't it? Do we tame lions, wild lions and wild tigers to jump through hoops that are on fire with you know, flaming hoops? We do, don't we? Teach them to roll over or whatever? We tame all kinds of animals, don't we? We just don't think about, could we have tamed dinosaurs? In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, and, and I'll have to admit, this is, this is uh, a line of thought that I really had not been, I, it just hadn't, had not impressed it upon my mind until I started getting into this. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and what's the next statement? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, dominion means they have superiority over them. They have, at least to some degree, control over them. And then in verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, speaking of mankind, fill the earth and subdue it, 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting indeed, having mankind having dominion over all of the animals, including the dinosaurs. And again, it makes no sense to try to deny the existence of dinosaurs. We have far too many fossils, far too much fossil evidence to demonstrate that they were real upon this earth. They're not a threat to our faith. We just need to understand where they fit into the whole scheme of God's creation. They were there with mankind. Now, where are they now? We'll talk about that to some extent in a, in a, in a separate set, a section here of our study. But Genesis 2 and verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. To every beast of the field. Well, remember, God said, let man have dominion over the beasts of the field or over everything that creeps upon the earth. And then this is an interesting verse of scripture, James chapter 3 and verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile, and most dinosaurs at least were reptiles, of every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Stunning verse of scripture, isn't it? Well, again, we tame elephants, we tame tigers, we tame lions, we tame killer whales to perform tricks, we tame other large sea creatures, should not be surprised when the scriptures tell us that every creature of the sea, every beast, every bird, every reptile is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. So that would include the dinosaurs, at least as a kind of animal. Interesting indeed, it really is. And so dinosaurs obviously lived and roamed the earth along with mankind. And next time, not tonight, because of our time, next time, and I'd like for you to read this ahead. Read Job chapter 40, beginning with verse 15, and read through the entire 41st chapter. And tell me what you see there as described by God to Job among the creatures that God had created and placed upon this earth. In Job's day, they existed. Read the descriptions and see what fits in your mind. Now, some people will say the land animal was a hippopotamus. Does not fit the description at all. Read those descriptions. We'll talk about those. We'll go through those next time. All right. That'll bring 